one person that Angels fans should be excited about who maybe isn't talked about often. Like, obviously, we know about the Reed Detmers, you know, the guys that everyone talks about, you know. Who's one guy who you saw that you're like, hey, this guy's pretty good. Maybe you guys should pay a little attention to this guy. Well, I would like to say two guys. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. In fact, we use Podbean to host Halos in the Infield. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in just minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly on the app from your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. Viva Los Angelitos and Viva Podbean. And Viva Los Angelitos and welcome to Halos in the Infield. This is Fernando. Uh, joined here by Luis Aviles Jr. Uh, how are you, Luis? Doing great, Fernando. I complain. Perfect. How's the weather in uh, Arizona yourself? right now? Oh, man, it's a little bit crazy right now because uh, last week it was in the 80s. Okay. And out of nowhere, uh, today in the morning, it was like in the uh, mid-30s, low-30s, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in New Jersey right now for work. So uh, it, when we first got here, it was pretty cold. Today, it was like in the 70s. Right now at night, it's like in the 30s. And then I think Friday, it's supposed to snow. So like, I don't know what they've got going on over here, but I'm not a big <laughs> Northeast kind of guy. Have you been up here before? Uh, yeah, I've been to New York quite a couple of times. Uh, but uh, I mean, I like the cold, but just for a couple of weeks, man. After a couple of weeks, I'm like, hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, you've been... I guess pretty lucky, right? Because, I mean, you played uh, – you haven't had to play up in this region too much, right? Um, not on that side, but I did uh, – I was with Milwaukee with the Brewers uh, when I got drafted and stuff, and I did play it in Wisconsin. So that was, like, one of the coldest places I, uh, I experienced. Yeah. yeah, Wisconsin's definitely pretty rough. So uh, let's get to that, actually. So you were drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers in the 30th round of the 2013 uh, amateur draft – uh, and you were drafted out of Southwest Miami High School. So uh, June 19th, 2013 is when you officially signed your contract. So what do you remember about like draft day? Was it something like that you were, you know, anticipating getting drafted right away and signing? Or was, you know, were you considering going to school? What went through everything? I think everyone in my family considered me going to school. My agent considered me going to school. Well, my advisor at the time, he was not my agent. He couldn't be my agent. My advisor wanted me to go to school. I think the only one that did not want to go to school was myself. And I think a lot of scouts knew that, you know. Uh, I, was, I think I was, I was ranked pretty high in the, as, as a showstop in 2013 for the draft. And I got a couple offers earlier in the rounds. Like I got an offer on the, on the sixth. I got an offer on the eighth. And then I also got an offer on the tenth by different teams. 
And my advisor didn't like the offer at the time, you know, because in the past, and he wanted a lot more. And for me, it was, I just want to get drafted. You know, I was here from, from Cuba not a long time ago. And, you know, all that money that they were saying, even the first offer that they gave me, I was like, I was amazed by it. So I was like, I just want to go out there and play baseball. And he kept denying all his offers. And I think after the 10th round, I got out from his office and I left. I took off. <laughs> he denied the, the last offer in the 10th round. I think it actually was the Brewers, the one that offered in the 10th round. Okay. And not even like an hour later, the Brewers uh, sent me a phone call. They gave me like a phone call. Hey, congrats. We just drafted you in the 30th round. You know, how do you feel? Like, I didn't know what you guys got on the table. And we had a conversation, and I signed even without even telling my agent. I called my <laughs> next day. I was like, hey, I just, signed, I just signed with the Brewers, so I'm out. <laughs> so um, you said your uh, your advisor wasn't happy with how things were turning out. Did they just yeah. – was it because of the way the slot was working out that they weren't happy with how much they were going to pay you? Or, like, what were they not happy with? Yeah, he was not happy with the slot. He wanted okay. a lot more um, – I think he wanted, like, 500. And I did get offered, like, Close to that, my first offer, I think it was like 360. Okay. You just kind of like, yeah. shut up. Just let me just let me get signed. I know. I, as soon as I said 360, it was a speaker. So I was like, oh, yes. Get me in there. And he said, no. He, nah, he, I mean, when I was young, he put a bunch of like papers right in front of me. Like everything, all, all the shows up that are just like you. You know, they signed for this. And, you know, I, uh, at the end of the day, I just, I'm happy I, I signed. I'm a, you know, I got through a manly system. I got to uh, like a, I got to start my, my, my career early. Okay. So let me ask you this. So I know you're probably going to give me the whole, I didn't care where I ended up. That's what everybody says. But when you came over and, you know, you went to high school and then you went into the draft, is there a specific team that you kind of were dreaming you were going to get picked by? You know, there was one team that you had to say. Um, I'm not going to lie. Always been a fan of, uh, of the Red Sox. Okay. The reason I was a fan of Red Sox is because uh, well, I was born and raised in Cuba, but in 2003, the World Baseball Classic, um, the Dominican team had a had a ball player, David Ortiz, which we all know who it is. Yeah, right. So, Hall of Famer. And I was watching, yeah, Hall of Famer. So I was watching David Ortiz in Cuba, you know, and he just stuck, you know, every time I, I watched him play, like, I loved the way his attitude, the way he played, even though he was left-handed and everything. We have nothing in common, but I just <laughs> like the way he played, you know. And okay. then they call him Big Poppy. And as soon as I got here uh, in 2006, I saw he played for the Red Sox. So that was the team that I always wanted to, like, you know, get picked back at first. Okay. So was he your favorite player growing up? Is that fair to say? Yes. He was my favorite player growing up until I met Hanley Ramirez. <laughs> okay. Tell me about that. That sounds well, great. Hanley was more like uh he was the guy that I that I used to look up to. Okay. Just because uh, when I went my first my first uh game that I went to watch in the, in the major leagues, it was the Miami Marlins. And Hanley was a showstop at the time. He was a rookie that year. He ended up winning rookie of the year. And we have a lot of similarities. Like, you know, he comes from the from the Dominican, I come from Cuba. He wears number two, I wear number two. We had a, a big leg kick at, uh, at first. I was only 12 at the time, but, you know, I felt like we looked a lot alike. So, and I grew up watching him the whole time and until I got drafted, so. 
yeah, he was a really fun player to watch. Um, because uh, he played with the yeah, he played with the Marlins, uh, one of the Red Sox. So he, he was kind of one of the guys who was all over the place. But uh, yeah, I remember him being a really exciting player. He was kind of yeah. like um, he was one of the first original players to really bring like excitement and attitude to baseball. Because uh, yep. you know, you and I are roughly the same age. So when we were growing up, you know, it was very much like the gentleman's game. You know what I mean? There was no emotion. Yeah. You just kind of went out there, you know, if you struck out, whatever, you want to go sit down. And nowadays, yeah. you know, we have the excitement of like the Latin players and the, let the yeah, kids a little play. flashiness. Exactly. So, and Hanley was kind of ahead of his time. He was, he was at that time, you know, he was an exciting player, especially his first, uh, his first few years in the, in the league. You know, he was someone that you wanted to watch because he was, it was fun to watch him play. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so um, you, June 20th, uh, you played for the Arizona League Brewers. So, um, you know, I, I won't share too much about your numbers, um, but uh, you, you batted 207 that year with an on-base percentage of 269. So I'm assuming that's probably not where you wanted to be, but you did dip your feet in professional baseball. What do you remember from that year? And what was kind of like the initial shock that you remember the most? Like what was so different about pro baseball? Woodbats. <laughs> okay. The Woodbats. So, cause I didn't know, I was not that, not that, I didn't go a lot of tournaments or anything. I just ended up going to a perfect game. But for that, that was like my first, my first time like using a Woodbat. So at first it was like a big shot. So so as soon as I got drafted, you know, I didn't even know what woodbat to use. Well, when I got here, everyone was talking about different models, different length, and this and that. I was like, well, just give me one of those like piece of wood that I was yeah. just in <laughs> You're like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't really care. So and the team had some woodbats and they had so many like different models and all that stuff. And I ended up the, the guy told me, Oh, what do you want to swing? I was like, something light. I mean, I was 152 pounds when I got drafted, so there was not much that I can do with that. And I ended up getting a 271. Okay. And then the league, um, I would say when I got here, everyone looked like so, like my shirt already, like a lot of a lot of them had like facial hair. Everyone looked like a grown man. And you had people getting drafted out of college coming to AZ as well. So the best guy here anymore. Everyone got a lot of talent. Everyone here is like either the third or fourth batter from your high school team. They got talent. They either play shortstop or they were like a main position. So it was nice to to be around those guys with so much talent that you only get to see sometime when you go like a like a showcase and and things like that. And once you got to face like all the teams, I got to experience uh, facing all the Latin guys, like the Dominicans throwing 95, 97, 100, not even knowing where the where the ball is going. But that was like the like the fun part of getting into pro baseball. Yeah, I think a lot of people talk about like how different it is to go to the minors because, you know, your entire life, you're used to being one of the best, if not the best player on your team. You know, you're the best player in your league, your conference, your high school, you know, your city. And then all of a sudden, when you go to the minor leagues, you took all of those guys, you know, the 1% of the best high school players and college players. Okay, now you guys are all here on the same platform. So now you're in a situation where you might not be the best guy. So a lot of people talk about like how different it is to go from being, hey, you know, you're the best player in your city to, hey, you're another guy on the team. That's not a bad thing. That's just part of the learning curve. Yeah. But everybody always says that, how weird it is to go from that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's definitely, yes. You know, it's like 
which is good because that's 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 what makes you want to work. When you uh, you know when you get to pro baseball and you see so many guys surrounding you with the with talent and stuff like that. At the end of the day, like we're all talented, just in different ways. Absolutely. There's some guys that, that can run more than others. Some others that got more power. You know, at the end, you you just have to like stick to who you are as a player and what's going to be your role model in the uh, in the in the team and how can you help the team like win games. And for me yeah. at the time it was my defense. You know, my defense and my um, and my speed. I felt like that was like my best tools at the time. And I mean, we all have seen the more I have played through the minor leagues. Now the power has come in. You know, my defense still there, but my um, my stolen bases and all that stuff, my running part of the game, all of that, I kept that. But now, like the power has come in in the last three years. You know. Yeah, I feel like that's also probably hard. You know, when you're growing up. You, you learn your game, but what you don't realize is your game changes every single year. But not only does your game change, but the game itself changes. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so now you're in, you know, you went from double A to, uh, from a single A to double A. So now everyone's faster. Okay, so maybe you try to fix that part of your game because you're not the fastest guy on the team. Or, you know, maybe this team is really good at defense and defense is where you lack. So I think that's another thing that's probably really hard for players, right? Not only adjusting your game, but adjusting to the way the game has changed as you change levels. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, you just have to realize what can I do to help the team win? You know, what can I do and what's the best thing that I can like, you know, go out there and do every day consistently so I can give uh, myself the best shot to be successful and help the team to come with a W at the end of the day because that's what matters. No, yeah, absolutely. Right. Winning is what matters. Are you sick of sandpaper tongue? Do you prefer your sunflower seeds to be non-GMO, gluten-free, and without all that bullshit MSG? If so, do we have some good news for you. Introducing Chinook Cedary with some of the best sunflower seeds on the market. Be sure to check out all seven of their non-GMO, gluten-free flavors today. To help out Halos in the Infield, head on over to halosintheinfield.com and click on our sponsor link. Chinook Cedary, Carpe. Um, so uh, you were with the Brewers from 2013 to November 4th in 2019 when you elected free agency. So how was it for you to make the decision to leave the Brewers organization? And how weird was it for you to leave an organization that you've only known the Brewers way so you decided to leave, you know, walk me through that mindset and how difficult it was to, you know, leave. I mean, going towards the, towards the end of the year, um, I mean, the Brewers treated me incredibly, incredibly good. They gave me so many opportunities and everything. I can't complain about the Brewers because since 2016, I've been getting 450 plus, you know, player parents. So I, I'm really thankful for that because that gave me the chance to, like, you know, make a lot of adjustments through my minor leagues and, and get better as it goes. And But once I got to free agency, uh, the Brewers were definitely one of the teams in mind because I wanted her to go back. You know, the GM really liked me. Uh, he had a conversation with me right after free agency and stuff. They did made an offer, and then my agent called me. He goes, hey, we're going to wait another month and see because there's there's a few teams that are interested so there was uh there were quite a few team interested at the moment they put down some offers and um when the angels came into the picture i was playing in the in the dominican i was playing winnable at the time and my agent called me he goes hey i think the best shot for us is going to be the angels you know especially your the 
the kind of player that you are, what you can bring to the table. These people really like you. So I think the best shot right now is the Angels. So, and I have always had faith, of, um, you know, in my agent right now. And I, I told him, like, you know, if you think that's the best shot and it's the best opportunity for me, why not? You know, let's okay. get after it. So let me ask you this. So when you're having this conversation with your agent, I'm assuming what you're looking at is the major leagues. That's the goal. Yes. So in 2019, you know, the Angels had Andrelton Simmons, who's arguably the best defensive shortstop in baseball. But he was on an expiring contract. You know, he didn't have very much time left with the Angels. So is that something you and your agent are talking about? Like, okay, you know, we're probably projected to make the majors in the next two or three years. Andrelton Simmons shouldn't be with the Angels anymore. So that's our best chance. Is that the kind of stuff you're looking at? Uh, pretty much, we really don't get that deep into the conversation. He does all the homework on himself, right? He just calls me pretty much and tells me, hey, listen, this is the reason why we're going to this team. And just to see me was here, or let's say the player, this player is here. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you don't have to worry about none of those people. Just go in there, do your thing. Because if you do your thing, you know, they're going to find, they're going to find a way to call you up. And, you know, but we're also looking for an opportunity. What team is going to give me the best opportunity? Because I don't do anything by just getting 150 at-bats in the year, you know, and then it's hard for me to make adjustments. I'm looking for a team that's going to give me an opportunity to get 350 plus 400 at-bats, you know, that I can make adjustments uh, day in and day out and, and show them what I got, you know. And okay. then what happened was you know, we saw that on the Angels. We saw that they were really interested. They waited to talk to us and, you know, he told me this is the best team. You know, they're putting a good offer on the table. Um, the guy in the big leagues and on Siemens, you know, they, I mean, you also got to realize he's a, one of the greatest defensive players in the game and he can hit it too, but he, he used to get injured a lot. So he did. that's another thing that you look at, you know, it's like, okay, he gets hurt a lot. So that's maybe that could be an opportunity where you don't want anyone to get hurt at the end of the day, but sometimes that's the only opportunity you got with some teams. Absolutely. So, You're the next man up. So if you have the ability to be that next man up, why wouldn't you set yourself up for that? Yes. Viva Los Angelitos. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we've all been going through a lot. You're not alone. And you know what else you're not alone in? Being okay. It is okay to not always be okay. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works and it's proven to work. But what is therapy exactly? Well, therapy is exactly what you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated today and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or even work. Or maybe you're just not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your, yes, your therapist in under 48 hours. Guys, join the millions of people who are seeing what 
online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Halos of the Infield listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Halos. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Halos, H-A-L-O-S. Viva Los Angelitos! Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so following the uh, spring training of 2020, uh, you were assigned to the very first Trash Pandas team. But, of course, COVID happened. And what I'm assuming is because of COVID, you were then released by the Angels. Um, and then you obviously re-signed the next season. But um, walk me through what happened with the whole COVID situation for you. How did you stay mentally ready to play baseball? And what did you do to physically stay in shape in a time where I'm assuming you probably missed the most amount of baseball in your life? Yeah, it was definitely hard. It was definitely hard. Um, well, when I got to the to the Angels in spring training, I, I had a good start, really good start. They sent me to a lot of the games in the big league side. So I was in like 11 games, the first 11 games they had in the big league side. And I got to have a conversation with Joe Madden. You know, and then he called me out to the side one day when we were playing the Brewers. And he called me, hey, son, where you from? You know, he told me, I told him I was from Cuba and stuff like that. He goes, I like the way you play. I like the attitude. You're always like heads up. Listen, now you're really aggressive, you know, so I hope to see you at some point this year. So that gave me a little bit more of like that confidence when you, because, you know, you're not in the big league camp, but you also like going to play there every day. And you're coming in in the sixth, seventh inning, sometimes you might get one at bat. And you just want to be able to, you know, like, to let them know that I'm ready. I'm ready for this league or, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be the next guy up. So I had a really good spring training with them. And that, 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 uh, with Joe, that conversation with Joe Mata stuck to me. And then the situation with the whole COVID happened. They cut me up like a month later and they told me, hey, Avilio, so we're going to have to let you go. I think it was because part of my contract that did not want to pay what they had to give me on the contract if I'm just sitting at home. So I think that that had to do part of it. But they told me, we are definitely, we love what you brought to the table, the, what, everything you did, the way you carried yourself, you know, doing spring training. All the staff over here loved you. So we really want you to come back. We're going to go for you at, at, when when the offseason comes again because, you know, we want to see you in the Angels uniform. I was like, definitely, you know, I would love to come back. I like the organization and everything. So when that whole pandemic happened, I was like, okay, now I'm out of baseball. What do I do now? So I was sitting at home for like a good, I think it was a month. And my agent called me and he said, hey, there's going to be a league in Texas um, in Sugarland. You cannot lose the whole year because you're a free agent. So I need you to get on board, excuse me, and go play out here for two months. That way you can just stay in shape. There's going to be a lot of good players. You know, there's going to be, there's a few veterans, there's a few big league guys. There's a, there's a lot of prospects for me from a lot of the teams. He sent me the list. I saw all the players over there, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going out there because at the end of the day, I need to play. I need to play, so it will be nice just to like. So that gave me a little bit more confidence that I was playing and not missing. I did not miss the whole year when I went down to Sugarland to play for, for two months. Okay. Uh, one, one question I have, because you had mentioned talking with Joe Madden. Uh, in 2020, that spring training, did you have any interaction with Anderson Simmons at all? I did. Okay. I did. How, how was he? He was an extremely nice guy. 
super nice. I had uh, I, I got to talk to him during lunch, and I got to talk to him in a dugout. So okay. I told him, like, you know, why, what are things that you work on? Because obviously you're one of the greatest guys in the infield, right? So, and I consider myself a good defender, and I take pride on my defense. But you can always learn from someone that is doing it at the highest level where you want to do it. So I, I sat down next to him uh, during uh, spring training games, and I'll ask him, hey, uh, you know, like, what do you think when you're playing defense or what's the first thing you're looking at? And he will always tell me, like, you know, know who's hitting. You know, that way you always have that internal clock always on, like, you know, who's hitting, know the situation of the game. Know what you want to do with the ball before the ball gets hit to you. And little things like that. So it was, it was really nice to have a conversation with him at that, that time. Yeah, I've definitely seen him uh, take grounders during spring training. And, dude, that guy is so fluid. The way he just picks up the ball is just – and, you know, he has such a quick hand when he releases it. And the way he's able to turn double plays is awesome. So, yeah, I mean, if there's anybody to learn defense, especially since you consider yourself such a defensive player, that's probably the guy to learn from, right? Uh, definitely, it is. And it probably humbles you because, I mean, you know, you can be the, you can be a real good defender. But when you see, you know, someone like him, like you said, at the top of his sport, you know, that probably only motivates and makes you want to be even better. Definitely. Yeah. Um, OK, uh, so let's fast forward then to uh, November. Or sorry, uh, May of this year you went to the Salt Lake Bees. So what was that like, uh, you know, playing in AAA? I mean, it was, it was an awesome experience just being around there. I didn't get to play a, a whole lot because I got, I broke my hamstring opening night. So opening night, uh, my second at bat, I had a second degree tear on my right hamstring. So I thought I was going to be out for, I knew I was going to be out for a while. The doctor said that it was only going to be six weeks and it'll be like two weeks. Um, I think it was eight weeks, almost nine weeks that I was out. So, but just getting to Salt Lake, getting that promotion that I got to start at AAA for the first time in my career, you know, I was really excited because I was like, I'm only a phone call away from the big leagues right now. You know, I'm really close. Uh, all I got to do is have a good month, maybe, you know, stay consistent, especially the way that the, the angels are, the, the way the organization is. You know, they give a lot of opportunity to the players, especially when they like them. So my mentality there was like, go in there, you know, stay healthy, do my thing. And hopefully by September, or August, I'll get my shot. Well, oh, man, you're, you're, you'll get an opportunity to get back there for sure. No, I know what it's like to play with the <laughs> hamstring. I had a, a couple of years ago, I had a trial with the Atlanta Braves. Okay. I tore my hamstring. And then two weeks later, I had a tryout with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I re-aggravated that hamstring and the other one. So oh, right. I know what it's like when it's, uh, you know, when one goes, the other one is short to follow. And man, oh man, <laughs> is that a painful injury to try to work through? Definitely, definitely it is. You know, I learned with uh, with the last couple of years. I think in '19, I had a big injury um, with the year that I was having with the Brewers, and then last year was my my biggest one, the one that I missed out the most. I would like to say the most games, you know, well, Salt Lake was, was a great experience. I was going into Salt Lake and I knew some of the players, but uh, one of my, one of my really good friends that I grew up training with in Miami, uh, John Jay was going to be in that team. Yep. So he's also someone that I look, I look up to a lot. You know, we've been working out together in, in Miami 
since I would like to say since 2015 until almost 2019. We're always like work out, do all this stuff together. And you know, he he played in the big leagues for for 10 years, and you know, a lot of knowledge that he has. So it was nice to like be there with him, trying to pick his brain. You know, especially at that level, since it was my first time experiencing Triple A baseball. And you guys got to rekindle a little bit on the Angels, right? Because the was it the COVID year that he was on the Angels? No, it was this year. It was this year. Okay, cool. So how how was that? Did you guys get to interact a lot this year? Uh, we did. We were well. We were both in Salt Lake because even though when I got hurt, they still thought that I was just gonna be able to like, you know, just do my rehab right there. It was only gonna be like a couple of weeks come back and, and stay there with the team. But then we realized that it was taking a little bit more longer than, than what we thought. But he was uh, he was there at the time. And, you know, we always talk about baseball. You know, when you're in season, that's everything you talk about, baseball, baseball, baseball. So we got to have breakfast in the morning, you know, during, the, during practice. We were, like, sometimes he was shagging, I was paying attention, you know, little things like that. Then we will talk about hitting situation. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's really big on the mental side of the game and paying attention to little details, you know, taking advantage of the outfielders, uh, the way that catchers block, or, you know, when they don't give the sign the right way, how can I take the next bait, little things like that. So it was nice to be around him for, for a while there, at least for that month. Yeah, I mean, baseball is such a mental game. So especially when you have a friend who's been through Major League Baseball for an extended period of time like John Jay has, and let alone the fact that he's played on multiple organizations. So he's probably gotten to see the mentality of multiple organizations. You know, it must be cool for you to have a friend like that who you can actually pick their brain. So that's awesome. Sorry, I'll have her, uh, someone was calling me for some reason. No. I don't know why. No, 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 you're good. Yeah, people, you're like, people don't call these days. Um, <laughs> So you've gotten to play in a lot of double-A facilities. So how would you rate Toyota Field and the facility that the Trash Pandas had compared to some of the other stadiums you've gotten to play in? Oh, man. I would like to say the Trash Pandas, the best double-A affiliate that I have played in. The fans are electric. Oh, okay. I seen, yes. I haven't seen fans like that besides playing winter ball, you know, and, and the Latin American, and Latin American cultures. But the Trash Pandas fans, it was, it was funny because uh, when they had opening day, I was in AAA, and one of my buddies, he was playing in the, in the Trash Panda at the time, Izzy Wilson, and he goes deep uh, in his first game on opening night. And they, they, they posted a video, and then he sent me a video, and it was loud. It was like 8,000 people there because it was sold out. And it was so loud. I was like, wow, this is electric. You know, so I was like, so, but when they told me, what was it? oh, he sent me a video and I saw that and I was like, wow, this, this is what you want as a, as a home field, you know? Yeah, everyone talks about how nice the facility was. I think Dave McKinnon, we had him on earlier during the season. He was talking about how great Toyota, uh, Toyota Field is compared to everywhere else. Yes, man. The fans, the, the field, you know, everything about that place is like, that's where you want to be your home ballpark to be. Okay. You know, that's because they their fans are great. They treat you good. You know, they're like super nice. They're loyal for what it looks like. You know, because even on on a Tuesday, sometimes we'll get so down on a Tuesday, on a Thursday. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, they're a brand new organization. And I the town that you guys play in or you played in there is also pretty new, right? Like, so everything's new, right? 
The town? I'm sorry? Yeah, like the town and the area around it, like it's all brand new developed, right? Yeah, everything around there is pretty much a brand new developed because I think the the Huntsville uh, sounds used to be there. Oh, yeah. Quite a while ago. But they, the fans, they, they were always talk about, but they said it was nothing like. But now with the Toyota field, like I think it's one of the only like main sports that they got around. And so you got people coming from everywhere because they just want to like, you know, experience a new ballpark. Okay. And it's a great ballpark. The food, I heard it was great. So the staff, they were really nice, especially with the players. You know, the treat was pretty good. It was, it was just a beautiful ballpark overall. Yeah, I want to try to go there one day because uh, I work in Memphis and then we drive to Georgia, to Atlanta, Georgia. So we do cut through Alabama. So one of these okay. days I'll need to pay a visit over there. Uh, okay, okay, so last yeah, two questions do. I got for you because I know you're probably going to go. So what's, what's the biggest difference between the minor league levels? If you had to put it in a perspective for fans who obviously don't play, what's the biggest difference you can, you know? I will say it is once you get to double A baseball, you know, you can tell that a lot of guys, they don't get the chance to play at that level. You know, they stay in the low A, high kind of level, but the the jump from high A to double A is a big jump, you know, as a big jump in all, all, all the, all the aspects of the game, the pitching, the fielding, the hitting, the running the bases, uh, people start making less mistakes, you know, and maybe in low A, you, you will hit the ball hard and you will get through right away. And double A, you hit the ball hard and, you know, they're making a diving play. They're going to throw from their knees. You're out. An hour is an hour. Most of the time, you don't see that many errors. You, you look at the scoreboard at the end of the game and you might see one error, you know, two errors by both teams. When uh, when in the lower levels, you know, you do see a lot of more like uh, physical mistake in the field, like, you know, making a lot of errors, throwing errors little things like that. And then the mental side, the base running side, you make a lot of like mistakes in the lower level. Once you get to double A and triple A baseball, you see everything is a little bit more clean. It's like clean baseball. It's the same game, just a little bit bit cleaner. And then for some reason, if you're not ready for it, it feels like everything speeds up. Everything is going to speed up on you because everything is like quicker. So you got to learn how to slow down the game a little bit. Okay, so the was the initial jump with the Brewers then from single A to double A probably the hardest because, you know, like you said, it's such a difference? Yes. Okay. It, was, it, it definitely was. Okay. I'll say. And, and in all fairness, you didn't get a full shake in triple A because of the injury, so. Yeah. Hopefully that one's not as bad, especially now that you know what to expect. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, the expectations are there, so we'll see. All we got to do is like stay healthy now. Yeah. Um, so last question I have. So uh, you were with the Angels uh, uh, minor league system for two years. So who's one person that Angels fans should be excited about who maybe isn't talked about often? Like we, obviously we know about the Reed Detmers, you know, the guys that everyone talks about, you know, who's one guy who you saw that you're like, Hey, this guy's pretty good. Maybe you guys should pay a little attention to this guy. Well, I would like to say two guys. Okay. Obviously McKinney, we all know what he can do with the bat. Okay. But a lot of people don't talk about his defense. And for me, like I said, I take, I take, I take pride of my defense. Like I said, and there's nothing better than having a guy in first base that I can throw however I want. 
you can just close your eyes, throw the ball out there, and you know that he's going to pick you at some point. You know, that guy is going to take pride on his defense on picking you up and, and things like that. Him and Michael is the panic. Okay. I didn't get to play with him because uh, he got said, I only got to play with him in, in spring training. But I say, I would like to say, Stefanik is that kind of guy that you see him as a person. And you're like, oh, who's this guy? Not even, he doesn't even look like a bit, like a ball player. But once you <laughs> see him on the field, yes. Once you see him on the field, the way he plays, you know, the way he carries himself, uh, I love the way the guy plays. You know, he hustles. He reminds me a lot of Justin Pedroia. You know, uh-huh. when when I when I used to like watch him play, and he's he's gonna be a great ball player. So that's a good comp. And anytime you can be compared to somebody like Dustin Pedroia, yeah. Who would you compare yourself most to? You as a player, I know you'd probably say Hanley Ramirez because that's <laughs> who I'm assuming you probably modeled your game after. But what current major leaguer would you like to compare yourself to? Current major leaguer, hmm, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Um, let me see. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, you can flatter I mean, yourself. <laughs> no, I would like to say because since the last year, I had to play a lot of multiple positions. Okay. I will say Chris Taylor from the Dodgers. Okay. Also so, a good comp. He's a solid baseball player. Yeah. So that's what I consider myself with, like, right now. Because I grew up playing shortstop, but nowadays, like, playing one position is not a thing anymore. Yeah. And, you know, every time I play in the outfield, like I said, I take pride on my defense. But even if I play in the outfield, the infield, wherever it is, I'm going to try to go out there and do my thing. And, you know, every time I see him play, I'm like, yeah, we're a little pretty similar. You know, he was never a big power guy at first. He was always playing the ball and play. You know, he has great defense. And now everything, the more he has played the big leagues, you know, the better he has been with all of that stuff. And I feel like that's that's what has happened with me. The more I played through the minor leagues, we have seen a lot of, like, progress in different part of my games every year. So I feel like that's what has kept me right now, you know, playing pro baseball. Okay. Uh, so real quick. So uh, you obviously consider yourself a shortstop. What's your favorite position besides shortstop to play? Like, where do you have the most fun? If they're going to throw you anywhere besides shortstop, where would you want to be? Third or center field. Okay. You just like the you like the hot corner aspect of third? I'll, I do. I love the hot corner. Because everything comes out of you quick, fast. You don't get to think, you know, and you get to show off the yarn. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Okay. So that's the best part of it. And then center field, right? Because, I mean, at shortstop, you're kind of the field commander of the infield. So if you're going to play in the outfield, you might as well command the outfield, right? That's That's got to be the mindset well. there. Okay. Definitely, yep. <laughs> Perfect. I understand that. All right. Well, uh, Luis, thank you so much for the time. Is, uh, is there anywhere where our fans can find you uh, if they want to follow you with the Miami Marlins? I mean, uh, my Instagram is LJ Avilas. Same thing with my, with my Twitter. So you guys can find me there. You know, and pretty much uh, in social media, pretty much everything I post is all my things with my kid, my my fiance, and you know I just keep it fun. Okay, how old your kid? Oh, uh, he's one one year and four months right now. Okay, cool. Now I he's, I have a six year old, so he's the one making noise in there. So I had to log myself in this room. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck to you, man. And uh, hopefully we'll see you here at Angel Stadium in a, in a Marlins jersey. Thank you, Fernando. I'll see you guys. Thank you so All right. much. Take care.